Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts, Brett Lindley and Walker Nier. I'm Brett, and this week, we cut spaceships in half with Hard Space Shipbreaker and save dwarves with the help of teleporting mages in regions of ruin. If you want to support Pick Up Your Sticks, you can buy us a cup of coffee over at our Ko-Fi page, which is ko-fi slash pod. So what's up, Walker? Well, let's catch up your sticks this week. Hey, what's going on, man? Um, so I had a, a, a strange little game that I don't even know what made me pick it up. Um, that that I, I've actually... I'm sorry? Steam sale? Well, sure, but I mean... <laughs> no, there's a lot of stuff of, on this. I mean, that's, a, that's enough of an excuse for you a lot of times, though, right? Like, cheap game? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the thing is, honestly, after after a two years now of humble bundle, oh, that's fair. Me yeah, twelve yeah, yeah. games. I, I, it's rare that I buy something now that I'm not. Honestly, it's rare that I've ever bought something standalone that I wasn't pretty sold on. Um, but now, even more so, the the the, the library guilt continues to weigh so <laughs> it only gets bigger as you are unable to cancel your humble monthly <laughs> i tried i tried and they i tried the day it renewed annually yeah. so yeah I'm, it's you're just hosed now i'm in for another you year another year of it right. <laughs> watering or not here comes the fire hose buddy you're gonna get another thousand games in your library <laughs> right the problem is is whenever i buy some random indie title and then a month or two later, it comes in the humble bundle, and it's like, mm. oh, that's rich. That's <laughs> rich. Anyway, so yeah, this game is called Regions of Ruin. Uh, it's on Steam, and and so yes, it was. It's ten dollars, I think, normal, and I'm pretty sure it was on sale over Christmas sale for a dollar and like twenty cents. So it was nutso levels discounted. Um, so that's part of it. But honestly, a game that cheap, a lot of times is going to make me think shovelware, right? Like if it's a yeah. dollar and a quarter, uh, I don't know if I. Yeah, probably asset flip. Probably. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the reviews for it are are very positive. And anyway, I was like, whatever, it's a dollar twenty fine. And so I did it. And yeah, it was I it's I beat it. I, I I beat we don't have a fan we need it we need a custom walker beat a game fanfare <laughs> <laughs> we do um but yeah I actually I've actually in air quotes beat three games over the Christmas break and nice. this was one of them um, now this is not a long game I have 10 hours into it um still, still we've we've talked about your ability to quit a game within the last minute of gameplay or so. in the first two minutes of yeah, exactly. Like, turn so. on and be like, yeah, I don't care, I'm done. Um, so yeah, so Regions of Ruin is a um, 2D side scroller, so kind of a la you know Terraria or something. I mean, you're not okay. mining and building like that, but just that look. Um, and and kind of, the reason I choose Terraria, I think, is because it has like background art that kind of reminds me of the way Terraria okay. did it. Yeah. Um, and and so then there's this huge overworld map and you can select a, a place to go and the map is covered in a fog of war that you uncover as you right. play through kind game. of levels 
Yeah, but there's like, I mean, I don't know, two hundred destinations or something. Wow. Maybe I mean, there's a ton. If you pull up the store page and look, you'll see the map. There are tons of little dots all over the map. Okay. Uh, and all of those represent locations you can travel to. So you travel there to a location, and every location has some sort of resources for you to unlock by, like, defeating it. Um, whether that be wood or stone or metal or coin or people. Right. Um, so you go and you, you like, defeat the enemies there. So it, it plays 2D side-scroller how, how is defeating the enemies? Are you controlling, like, a single unit? Are you building a base? Are you launching waves of enemies out? Like... You're it's it, 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 yeah, a la Terraria. You're the single dude okay. running around fighting stuff. Um, and so then, yeah, you do have the, the location you started on the map is like your home base. So you do upgrade that over time. Okay. Kind of, I guess, ter like Terraria NPC houses, but you build those. Whereas this, you pay resources and it gets constructed like you buy a 400 wood to a guy and a house is built kind of thing exactly okay. um so you're not you're not designing it block by block like you right would or something Terraria is probably a terrible comparison because it doesn't no i mean so i look i looked up an image and that's what comes to mind instantly when i see it is right i mean there are games that are closer to this aesthetic but not ones that are probably as popular like even the inventory menu and just kind of the general look and feel the a little terraria-esque yeah yep but I mean, probably higher fidelity, I guess, like more pixels, <laughs> but uh, other than that. Right, right. Um, but so so as that kind of game, it's OK. But what happens is you again, you're going back to your village, you're unlocking new buildings that then offer new things to craft or new, you know, buffs or whatever the case is. Um, there's several buildings that you can unlock. And then you're also recruiting villagers. And so then you can go back out to the overworld map and any area that you've conquered typically has a large repository of resources that you can then assign your villagers to for them to get for you. So it's okay. It's got a little bit of like a. I, 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 Not quite a city builder, but like, no, and almost, I mean, almost like a kind of like a clicker, really. Oh, okay. But you're okay. not, but you're not, it's not a clicker game at all. Right. But in the way that like resources are automatically getting fed through a non-interactive thing by right. you assigned a villager to it. So, um, I, mean, I think we talked about, uh, well, kind of like towns even only you're sending your villagers to like a different area. Yes. Yeah. And you don't see them or anything like right. they're represented on the map by a number. But it you just don't... is. Yeah. A number on the screen that generates income per yeah, turn. Yeah. Is it are there turns on the overworld? Is it time based? Like... Nope. Yeah, it's just real time. It just, okay. it just they just obtain things at a certain rate and you can assign multiple villagers to a location and that increases the rate at which they gather it. Okay. Um, and there's tiers to that once you get to like four like four guys increases it every time you add one but then to get another increase in gain you, you have, have to add two, two. exactly right. okay. and that continues on there's kind of an exponential growth factor right right um and then you also can like well before i go on is there anything that you're thinking because i know i'm just kind of going well, no 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 i mean it 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 
it sounds like there's more to this game than just that. Um, I guess my, my first just kind of kind of burning question, I guess, if you can call it that is like, do you have like a race and a class or are you just a hero with like, is it magic based? Is it, do you have like weapons? Is it one thing that you get to be, or do you get to pick what things you can be? Like, is there a skill tree or levels or anything? Yeah. So you're, you're a little dwarf and uh, you have melee or you can throw axes is the ranged attack. So like you, you don't get bows or anything. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, over time you do kind of level up your, your character a bit. But the thing that actually I ended up doing very quickly and then <laughs> never went away from um, is as you build up your town, you unlock an inn. And as you upgrade the inn, a la towns, heroes come to visit. And if you have enough money, you can hire them. Mm-hmm. And so then you can hire NPCs to follow you around and you can get some super like you. I had a wizard following me and like a rogue and they would just annihilate stuff. So you're not even really doing anything at that point. No, it kind of is. It kind of is an idle game from oh, that, like, a, like a hero idler. Kind yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> like once I got a full party because so they all have different movement speeds, mm-hmm. which would be an interesting mechanic, except the game also recognizes that stuff I think could get stuck on terrain. Right. So it allows you to just press a button to instantly teleport your party to you. So I have oh. like a, a wizard and a slow warrior guy who are way behind me. And I just run up to the enemies and then back up a little bit and press the button and they teleport to me. And then they just <laughs> nuke the enemies to smithereens and it's delicious. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's not like a, it's not like, you know, um, it's not like it has the depth of Starcraft or something. Well, yeah, like yeah. Not, or even Terraria. But um, but it sounds like it doesn't feel overly casual, though, because I know you don't generally get down for the hyper casual stuff. No, I mean, I don't know. It depends on what we mean by casual. Did you ever play Forager? Yeah. So Forager is technically a clicker. Yeah. I mean, you automate, but... There's a lot to do in Forager. Right. You're always min-maxing something. And, and, this, and building and moving and changing things. Yes. And this felt... This does not play like Forager in right. hardly any ways. But it was the same feeling I got when playing Forager. There was where, enough things to micromanage that it it almost isn't a clicker. Like, there is some really weird fine line that I think Forager is one of, not the first, but one of the first ones to kind of cross, where it takes clicker mechanics, but applies them to a more generalized gameplay. Like a more, I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, established gameplay mechanics, and then reapplying clickers back to them. Yes. So, I mean, the problem with clickers is that there's no mechanical skill. And there's no failure condition, and there's not really very many interesting choices. Now, right. arguably, you can try and min-max, and so then that's the interesting choice, I guess. But I don't know. To me, it just feels like it's eating my soul really At fast. least in something like Forager, which I know where we'll get back to, to yeah, your, yeah. your regions of ruin, but it, like you can, you could play with it. Like, it's not just you unlock the next thing that unlocks the next thing. Like, you can try to optimize things or you can build in one direction and forego another element where a lot of, like, pure clickers, you don't forego anything. 
you prestige, you get things in order, you prestige again, you get them in the next order, rinse and repeat. So like with Forager, you could like re-terraform the land and change it all to ice biome if you want, or I don't think it could change the biomes, but whatever. Right. You can build and destroy land. You can plant crops and resources and stuff. So at least well, some there's decisions. And there's there's mechanical doing to the fighting in Forager. Right. Yeah, you actually have to fight things. And Right. Um, there's puzzles to solve in Forager that take some thinking. And so I don't know. There's there's something to it beyond exactly to your point. Just clicking in one box to make the next box unlock that you now right. click that to make the next one so on um and yeah regions of ruin kind of landed in that same feeling where uh, by the end of it i was i was happy to be done i get happy isn't the right words like i was sick of it already but like right i didn't need 10 more hours of campaign right um but yeah, it was it was fun. It ran its course and certainly <laughs> certainly worth a dollar twenty. Yeah, um, I mean it looks it looks way better than a dollar twenty game should look, really, right. I guess. With well, it's ten dollars normally. Well, okay, so. fair. That's fair. <laughs> I was gonna say for not being an asset like if a dollar twenty game looked this good, I would a hundred percent assume asset flip because they can't that can't be their stuff. You know, right. but I but for yeah, for a ten dollar game, I could see that. I mean, it has a lot of really interesting graphics. Like, there's some all the zones look pretty. There's some day night stuff going on. Like, yeah. yeah, the map is holy crap! I now see the map. That is wild. Right, right. Yeah. So do you surprising. have to beat all of those levels to beat the game? No. Okay. No. Uh, you have to. You have to. There's like a campaign. So you, basically, what it is is, in order to continue building your town up and leveling because there are some skill trees and decisions you can make and you can unlock right. some kind of cool for for the context of the game cool abilities um but anyway that's all done through resources so really you just need to to make to have harvested enough resources to, to make whatever it is that you're wanting right, to make. but to do that you want to liberate more towns so that you get more peasants and then you get access to iron or stone or whatever that you need and get to have more people to assign to it so it's probably beneficial to unlock most of them yeah exactly exactly um and yeah it's the so then there is like a, an overriding campaign though where it's like pointing you to places to go right so you can go to those as quickly as you think you can accomplish them and to beat the game, which is what I did. Um, which again, I mean, it took me 10 hours, so it's not like I <laughs> rushed it or something, but right. Um, but yeah, no, it was, I, I, it was 90% off again on the Christmas sale, which is why it was so, so cheap. But yeah, I would highly recommend it to anyone who's interested in, if you like that kind of side scroller combat kind of game. Now, again, it's not dead cells. It's not, you know, best in class right. <laughs> combat game. Um, I mean, neither is Terraria, though. To be, let's be fair, Terraria's battle mechanics are nothing. No, intense. agreed. <laughs> agreed. Um, but yeah, it's a fun little game, and and the variety of genres really that they kind of pack into it. I was pretty impressed by. I <laughs> I was surprised uh, at how well they did it. Yeah, I like uh, I like any time that there's some, not necessarily city building, but I guess population management type stuff like uh, I'm trying to think and not odd realm, but there was a uh, factory town, which again, mm. not nearly that, but 
you do kind of want to group together your peasants and have them do certain things for a while. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, but yeah, so what about yourself? What have you been up to? So I nabbed a game that I had wanted for a long while, actually, and just one of those that I never really justified because I didn't. There are some games that grab me that I purposefully don't go look at anything on. And because sometimes in this case, I think if I would have seen too much on it, I probably wouldn't have gotten it. Mm. Uh, and that is uh, Hard Space Shipbreaker. And really all I knew was the game's trailer. And I would say outside of, you know, I'm not going to spoil too terribly much here. It's a solid game. Uh, but don't watch like a let's play of it because that will ruin. A lot of it is the experience of playing the game is where most of the fun is at. But you're like a, uh, you work in like the asteroid belt. It's the future. And you get a job with this company that tears down. They basically buy junk spaceships and you break them down for parts. And I'm not 100% exactly the story, but you're either already in debt or when you get the job, like the gear in the apartment puts you like a billion dollars in debt or whatever. <laughs> right. You know, common mechanic. Um, there's a few uh, like corporatocracy joke jabs where like, we don't care about our employees, but we also don't want you to die. Uh, but like, so you have, you're in a, you're in a spacesuit and you have essentially like a cutting laser and some like gravity tethers and a, a mild gravity gun. And you could also like pick up and put down objects and you have an oxygen meter and a fuel meter. And you've got this like bay that they park the ship in basically. And you've got like a little apartment outside the bay and it has a station next to it that you can buy more oxygen at. So like you're constantly trying to make money while reducing, you've got to repair your tools and later on in the game you can buy like your own helmet so that you don't have to rent yours anymore because you have like a daily rental fee or whatever each day i think is like i don't know five or 15 minutes one of the two and essentially you're trying to maximize how much money you're earning so you don't want to just salvage every piece of the ship you want to salvage the really valuable stuff and you'll have work orders so like each ship that you get You'll get a work order and it says, like, we want the reactor and 10 computers. And then anything else that you salvage is all you. Uh, but it, it you want to maximize how fast you're salvaging, what you're salvaging, learning what's valuable. And then you don't have to salvage everything. You can just buy the next chip and they'll it'll scrap whatever is left, basically. Mm. But you've got it's it's an interesting because it's part puzzle game because they put enough kind of mechanics in there that make things pretty interesting. Like you've got to, sometimes you have to depressurize the ship. So if you open the airlock and go in and close the airlock and it pressurizes, and then you cut a massive hole in the ship, uh, it'll just explode out the hole along with you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, or it, if it explodes far enough away, like you cut something really far off, the vacuum may suck up, a, a rip off a pilot's chair from behind you and hit you in the back of the head and deal damage. And sometimes you can find oxygen bottles in the ship 
so you don't have to go buy them, but you've got to kind of manage your oxygen. And later you get like, instead of just a laser gun that you point to cut through stuff, you get like this vertical beam that'll like, but it cuts pretty much like top to bottom of screen indiscriminately. So when you set it and you click, it just whap and cuts a line through stuff. Uh, well, if there's a fuel line behind that, then that explodes and right. can cause a chain reaction that blows up the reactor that you're trying to get. Or like certain as the levels increase, you've got to do puzzle mechanics to like shut down the reactor before you use the gravity gun to rip it out. So you've got to like transfer the coolant out and empty all the excess fuel and turn the power of the ship off or turn it to reserve power and then depressurize the ship and then cut a hole and then pull the reactor out. And like, you've got to do all of that to, to extract it. And you've got like three bays. You've got like a parts bay that's at the bottom that you can shoot stuff at with your gravity gun. And then you've got like a furnace for essentially raw materials like metal. And then like a minor salvage bay for parts that aren't basically like the barge is like big spaceship parts, like engines and reactors. And then there's the complex salvage bay is slightly different from the third furnace in that metamaterials and stuff go there. So you get like these little gravity tethers. You can kind of chain, you could cut like five pieces of a ship apart, but they're all hull. Well, you can use these gravity tethers and like chain those five pieces together and then put one tether at the furnace and it'll slowly yoink all five of those pieces in a train mm. instead of having to use the gravity gun one at a time. Well, that's cool. And so this is a, you said this is first person. Is that right? Like yeah. Yeah. So it's a first, it's a first person perspective and it's a like full 360. So you can be upside down because it, it's anti-gravity. You've just got like a little RCS jetpack, So yeah. you can be upside down, backwards side, you can strafe left and right and everything pretty easily. So this is unrelated to gaming, but we've both watched it, so I can talk about it. Yeah. Uh, in the very first season of the terrifically good show, The Expanse, um, the Belters at the very, I think it might be episode one, are like cutting out something. I think it's like an asteroid thing. Right. Or They're cutting a ship up. But does it did it make you feel like you were in that? That was that was half the reason why I finally picked it up. It's because I started watching The Expanse. Yeah, and I had seen it before, and it looked cool. Uh, so so I wanted to pick it up. And after watching some of The Expanse, yes, it a hundred percent makes you feel like a, especially because everything's nickel and dimed. Especially in the beginning, you're not making any. You know, you're going further in debt because mm. you have to buy oxygen. You got to buy jetpack fuel. You got to repair your guns. And like cutting ships apart, you can cut through just hull pieces, especially when you get the, the gun that shoots like a line. So you can cut a square pretty easily. Right. But there's also materials that you can't cut through with it. So they'll be like the frame of the ship will be titanium. And so the line tool won't cut through it. It'll cut through the hull and, and leave that line, but it won't cut through the titanium bar that's holding it there. So you've either got to cut around that titanium bar or you can find these specific cut points that have like little hazard stripes on them that are made for replacing sections of that ship. So you can either burn through them with the laser or cut lines through them to try to hit two or three if you've got them like in a row. Mm. So you can, they put a lot of work into 
how these ships disassemble and how they're like welded together. It feels not like a hundred percent realistic or anything, but it feels pretty like immersive as far as I felt like I'm a belter eating red kibble taking, you know, listen, it's got like a, a soundtrack that's kind of reminiscent of the Western stuff, like yeah. futuristic fall, like more futuristic fallout music where fallout is kind of like 1950s, but like bop. This is more like Western-y style. So kind of Terran music from like the original Starcraft where it has that space Western feel. Yeah, I think because space is like, you know, the Wild West. The Wild metaphorically, West. Yeah. For some reason, there is this huge association with like bluesy kind of country kind of Western-y music. Lots of acoustic guitar yeah and and it's not it's not actually country music though no but it's also not not fully just rock like it's no yeah no it's got between. some uh, yeah i'm not really sure what that genre is called <laughs> i'm sure you don't know that it doesn't have one is what yeah that well is. not always <laughs> <laughs> um so and again i use this term somewhat lightly but so kind of a photorealistic look, though. And again, yeah, maybe it's not a hundred. It's not a yeah, it's no, not, it's not like a comedy look. It's not a cartoon look. It's not self-shaded. No, no, it's it's pretty realistic. And there are some interests. So like, you can control your right and left hand independently for certain actions, like grabbing items or hold. You've got like magnet gloves. So if you if there's a just as dangerous is like depressurizing the main ship too early. So you don't always know that the whole ship is pressurized. Mm. So sometimes you go into the ship and the cockpit door is closed. Well, you've got to put your hand on the door and listen for the rumble to hear if like the air unit is cycling. Because if it is and you depressurize the main ship and later open the door to the cockpit, the air rushes out from the cockpit at you and flings a bunch of stuff at you. Likewise, if the cockpit is vacuum and you leave the ship pressurized and you're exploring around before you start cutting it up, well, you get sucked in and beat your head against stuff there. And there's lots of little graphical things for like your radio will cut out or you'll get a crack in your hood or it'll fog if you've taken damage that can make it actually difficult to work for the rest of the day unless you go get it repaired or do it at the end of the day and you just auto repair then. So it's funny because it kind of reminds me of a conversation we had, I don't know, within the last few weeks at some point about um, the simulator games. And and I was going on about how I didn't understand, like, because I think, I think actually I was complaining about the humble bundle because one of the games and it was the PC builder simulator. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, come on. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but we were, but you at that time, like as I was going through, like how are these games this popular? Blah blah blah. And then you were like, I don't know. I mean, while Euro Truck Simulator isn't appealing to you or I, if there was like a more fantastical one that's like a mm-hmm. Mech Warrior repairman or something, right? Like, that could be interesting. And while this isn't a repairman thing, it sounds like this kind of maybe scratches that itch a little bit of like the fantastical simulator kind of it really does and so here's where like so for one yes 100 percent. i did not fully complete the game i think i got to like level eight or nine out of ten on most of my stuff so i knew i was pretty close 
And I even have like the DLC that introduces a couple of other, cause you can get, there's different ship types. So they'll have different interiors and different types of gear on them. Like a cargo ship might have a bunch of cargo in it that some of it can be loose. Some of it can be destroyed and you may have to cut into it differently. Even if it looks like the same style of ship, whereas a transport ships can have a lot of chairs and seats and may have more med kits or oxygen. And so you, you kind of approach them differently, even if they're the same style of ship, but then there's like the DLC pack. I'm not sure if it's like free DLC or what. I don't remember that either free DLC or part of a Halloween thing or something. I don't entirely remember, but there's like ships that have a bad AI core. Mm. And they're like haunted ships or like ghost ships and there's there's a few different kind of styles of play. They're not too far different from each other, though. And once you've seen a couple of them, it it is fairly repetitive in some outside of the different types of ships. But even that, there's kind of I, I so much so wish. And this is why I say don't go watch a Let's Play of it. Just what if the trailer interests you, that's about as cool as a let's play is going to be because playing it is a much cooler experience because the variety isn't as there as I wish it was mm. like I, I really wish that you could get into super giant ships and spend because like a day is like I think it is like five or ten minutes for a day, quote unquote cycle. And you're sh you there's a free play mode and you can even play free play with oxygen disabled or enabled i eventually restarted in free play with the still needing to watch my oxygen and fuel mostly because i hated having like a five minute day shift for right but that is part of the like the, the the intention is that you're supposed to be min maxing what you grab and making risky choices like do i cut through that wall and just hope there's no fuel there or mm -hmm. you know, whatever but for me it was so much cooler to just systematically disassemble a ship to its base parts. Right. It, I literally just had a frame of a ship that I chucked in the burner, you know, like it, it, it was so cool. And there's so many little pieces, like there are so many dials and levers that you can pull and things that you can grab and interact. You can get like hard drives that you can decrypt at your house to get, stories or emails from people i don't know that it really does too terribly much probably a completionist thing but it didn't seem to really advance the story in any way or anything like that but there were just so many of these little interaction points that were far more fun to play through but you don't really get to like multi-level i think there's the most is like a two-level ship but there's no like three level ships with rooms or dead bodies in them or something like the unknown mystery. I feel like there could have been a lot more to the game. I get why they didn't. And it looks great and plays great and right. probably pretty expensive to make. But I, I get why they didn't go that way. But I, I wish it did. Like I want cooler like hacking tools and like you get some keys and stuff that you can either buy or find that speed up certain things like using the computer to dump all the fuel instead of manually pulling five different release valves or whatever. Right. But there's no, there's nothing more than that. And I would have loved to have seen a broader skill tree. Cause there's, it's mostly just an equipment tree that you get like level one, two and three gear. 
but see having like skills and hacking or opening doors or understanding like pressure and things like that. Like you get better x-ray goggles that allow you to see two or three different system views, but just being able to skill into understanding what those look like. Mm-hmm. If you can see them, but you don't identify anything because who are, I wouldn't know. You know? Right. So. Huh? Yeah. I mean, it sounds, it sounds, I, I, and to your, probably the point you were making as well, like, it sounds like it's really interesting. It sounds like maybe there is a lot more that they could have done with it. Like, I mean, there's all sorts of directions you could go. Like you could, you could make it so that there's different tools and skills required to cut apart a fighter ship than there is a capital ship. Right. Now, you know, and have all sorts of specialization stuff. But yeah, I mean, the other side of the coin is, is like, that's a pretty niche idea right. for a game. So how appealing is it really going to be on a broad scale? It would have to have something else to help pull. The story would have to get deeper. Right. Because, yeah, even if there was a different ship every single time, some there were times I did look up a couple of times how to pull a level three reactor. Because it is just, there's so many pieces and, and it's not really explained to me very well. Mm-hmm. You kind of get a, yeah, sure, this is how you do it. Go at it. And then deaths cost you some money. But the money is arbitrary because you can't really lose, as far as I could tell. Right. I think that having you buy your ships, but then rent your time or rent the bay, right? Mm. So that because as it stands, scrapping a ship, if you just complete the work order items, that's all that you need to advance. And those actually get you your like, level up like your license grade is mm-hmm. mostly based on that with one item for like salvage 500 tons of titanium or salvage $200,000 worth of computers mm. for like the last deal. But the rest of them are like complete 20 work order items. So you're not incentivized to salvage as much of the ship as quickly as possible. Just the work order items where I think if like, if you had to rent the bay but by the ship, well, now you want to get as much out of the ship as possible. Whereas there were some work order items that I got a really nice looking ship. I pulled like six things off of it and I went and got another ship. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. It's the thing is, is that like I'm torn because there's a part of me that loves when uh, someone makes a game that is completely clearly like their passion project you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like they thought it was cool and they made it in its niche and it you know it's not supposed to be compete with call of duty right like (laughs) um but on the other hand it it does i just i just still keep thinking about like how it's too bad that it doesn't have more full feature and again i understand because they probably would have dumped thousands of dollars more at minimum into development and maybe they don't feel like they can recoup that you know what i mean So I get it. Um, it, it. Honestly, what it keeps making me think of, which is so unrelated other than it's a game that they spent too much time on. So it's the opposite. <laughs> Ample is a game you talked about on the show a few months ago now, probably, but that I actually went and tried finally. Um, and that's Brigador. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because um, that game is actually it's actually really cool. Like it's like, Mm -hmm. there's so much cool stuff about it. And it's, it's too bad that they couldn't have shaved two years or something off of their development by not 
making remaking everything or whatever it was that they right. did. But because if they wouldn't have had the amount of upfront costs that they did, I think they would have could have had something successful in their hands. Anyway, the, the reason I bring it up is just because it's like somewhere there's a middle ground, right? Like there's Brigador where they spend too much time and then aren't able to capitalize on that time. Right. Or something like this where maybe it's like, oh, man, if, if you guys could have had, you know, a little more time. Yeah, to if there was out, two more years more of development that they spend on that. Now, I don't know how long it took to begin with, but right. and it's it's fully featured. It's complete. I am not dissatisfied with my purchase. I think even full price, maybe 20, 25 bucks. Yeah. Uh, and it's worth that. I think it's worth that. I don't want anybody to take the, oh, I wish there were more ships like too dismissively. There's still a lot to, I mean, I probably have 40 or 50 hours in at like $10. So right. even at 25, that's fine before I even, and again, I didn't even beat it. I just kind of feel like I got what I needed from it, what I wanted. I think right. I probably hit the point in the expanse where the story changes a little bit and I wanted more of that kind of storyline in my games. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if they had more opportunity to add, cause it's, they have so many points where they could go like the hard drives you decrypt if it took more time or skill or something, or if they added something to you, like you could use them to blackmail people or make money off of, or just learn some story or some sinister plot that's slowly unfolding that oh, now only you're aware of because you're this lowly document or whatever. Like having that, or like I said, skill trees, more equipment, more items, more ship types. I think then it, it would draw you in more. But as yeah. it stands, I, you know, I don't necessarily want more ships without more everything else. Yeah, because and I'm, now I'm just brainstorming ideas for a game that we are not ever developing or have no involvement with. But anyway, like it would be super cool if you had like what you were just talking about, where it's like maybe not on every ship, but maybe, you know, obviously there'd have to be some sort of RNG or something behind the scenes, but whatever. Occasionally, maybe you would find some thing that's out of place that's like a through line that you're finding on other ships. Right. That you're, you're connecting you're getting, dots. Yeah, you're the one that's now connecting the dots that has it. It's just rare enough that nobody else would really see it. Right. Because you're a guy that goes and breaks down ships. And I think also maybe just having it, instead of being essentially like a space station that you're stuck at, if you were on a ship and went and salvaged other ships... Not necessarily like you may still have to buy the location, but now your ship travels out there. Now you have a base that you can upgrade and and the story can progress a lot more easily that way. Even if you aren't flying the ship, right. it kind of acts as a stationary thing. Just the feeling that you're moving throughout the universe gives you a little bit more agency to like to sell. You've got to go back to a space station. Maybe you have to manage your weight and your fuel of your ship. It, it doesn't, like you said, you don't have to fly it to just have those be numbers. But now you can go and eventually find the alien artifact that uh, these scientists that keep on ending up on random ships that you're finding were all a buzz about or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, look at the game like Starbound, right? Like Starbound right. has a universe that you jump all over, but you're not like flying your spaceship. You, right. know what I mean? like, you just magically appear outside of a, yet another planet. Um so yeah, something like that could work could work totally. Uh, so yeah, I, 
I had thought I was going to go a different direction this episode, but now I've picked a new thing. Um, and I, that is just, I just, <laughs> I just have to say how much the expanse continues to make me want to play more space games. Like I, <laughs> yep. I literally spent 90 minutes yesterday trying to get my joystick to configure with Elite <laughs> Dangerous because I own Elite Dangerous and its expansion mm -hmm. Horizons. Ah. Like, I've never even really given this a go. Like I should so, just play this. Yep. I, I also realized uh, just the other day that I owned it and I wasn't aware that I owned it. And I think I own it with VR support. So... Yeah. It yeah. is now installed. I have a joystick too. So I, if the joystick works in VR as well, this could be game changing. Right. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. But I do. I did go ahead and install it. I haven't launched it yet. I'm still working through my VR catalog, but right. Soon. Yeah. So to be clear, it's actually not an issue with Elite Dangerous. I can set the control settings to generic joystick and it recognizes the joystick and it works right um, the problem is is that i actually want to use the mouse and keyboard for a lot of things uh, and joystick for flying because the joystick only has 15 buttons total right. or something, and there's just way more than that that you need to do so they have the the joystick i have is like a thrustmaster 1600 or something um but it's so it's like a decent i mean it's not like the top of the line joystick right but it, right for a single stick, it's decent and it has proprietary software and the way that it's designed, which is a smart plan, but I can't get it to work is when you load the this software, it kills the device physically and then reloads the device virtually. Okay. Yeah. Which was th what that allows it to do is it allows it to be compatible with older titles because it's just referencing this software application that's then virtualizing the joystick. Right, not a specific parallel port or something. Exactly. So I get it. The joystick works great until I launch the profile thing, and then I just can't get it to, to register. Mm. I'm sure this is fascinating for everyone. But anyway, the point just like... It's one of those Reddit problems. <laughs> but my the reason I share it, though, is just to say that it's not because Elite Dangerous doesn't work. It, it's right. something with my joystick software, but... Um, but I'm at the point where I might just keyboard and mouse it and forego the joystick. I mean, I have the joystick, so I want right. to use yeah, it. But, of course. Um, I mean, I'm in the same boat where it's like, I don't know that I have the desk space for it. Right. Mostly because even though I got the really cool power play wireless charging mouse with charging mouse pad, I probably use like, I would say almost a sixth of the space that that mouse pad provides up to maybe a third, but no right. more than that. Um, because it's huge and I don't move my mouse that far. I, I'm still You're stuck. You're a wrist in, guy, not an elbow guy. I'm a wrist guy, yeah. And so uh, maybe if my desk were a little bit bigger, I might elbow more, but probably not. And so I'm not, I'm not using all that space, but that's space that a joystick would go in and I can't just attach it to the mouse pad. Like, because the mm. mouse pad isn't just a pad. Like it's, not expensive, but at least pricey piece of tech for what it is that I don't really want to have to replace by leaving a bunch of crap on it and breaking something in there. Like, mm, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so the, actually, you mentioned something that I don't know. If, I don't think you spoke to. Um, but do you wish that Hardlight Shipbreaker was a VR game? Like, would it be super awesome in VR? I think it would. I think it actually has the potential to be one of the better games in VR. 
there's a couple of other experiences that we'll get to probably in another episode that I've had in VR that some games, even if the port itself is done well, the, the concept doesn't port well. Mm. And games that I thought would be way cooler in VR um, just need to be designed more from a VR standpoint from the ground up and not just having certain things plugged into VR. But right. I think that especially because of the dual hands uh, being able to hold because you have the magnet hands, which can also help for if you have to depressurize a cabinet and it's already depressurized ship or whatever, you can magnet hand one hand onto a wall and depressurize the ship. And as long as you're not going to get hit by debris, you're fine. Um, so just having the dual sticks would be really cool. Being able to hold two pieces of equipment at once or moving spaceship pieces around. I think it would be massive vertigo time because you can go upside down, but there is no upside down because space. Right. Uh, so that could be really wild. It could be really fun. Yeah. Uh, but I think it would, I think it has of the games that I've played lately, it probably has some of the highest like chance of being successful in VR. I mean, that's a lot to code for, but I think it would be the most fun in VR. Yeah. So I don't know if we, I, I, probably explained this on the half-life alex episode that we did um but whatever just to quickly explain it again one of the cooler things in half-life alex which there are many cool things but one of the cooler things was a and there was a few of these but a puzzle to solve where there's like a power source and then i need to like connect circuits basically right. that are on the wall and i mean that's kind of an old gaming trope but what's the mm -hmm. pipe or whatever the game right, is right? yeah right it's that fundamentally it's that but in vr like you actually like take this wand thing in the game and you're like can like literally pointing at the power source and then drawing the line yeah, like scanning the wall and finding the the wake points and stuff yeah i think that type of stuff would be just that's awesome what, yeah yeah that's what i was thinking like in something like a shipbreaker it seems like it would lend itself perfectly to those kinds of things if mm -hmm. but it almost has to be designed with that in mind from the right beginning. yeah i yeah. agree i think i think that like go support this dev go buy it maybe we'll get a hard space shipbreaker 2 where they implement all of our crazy cool ideas right. but i i yeah i think it's i i think standalone it's a really good game and i think that if that's the space that the quote unquote like mechanic simulator things go i'm fine with that it could have easily have just been called like i don't even know what like ship junkyard simulator or something you know and been the same game and who knows maybe done better just because it had the word simulator in it but a la goat simulator but right. uh yeah i say pick it up support it it's a really good game i really enjoyed it i may even go back to it and beat it um and go play through some of the content that i haven't seen yet so yeah. maybe something crazy does happen when you get max level and wipe out your bank account but i think a lot of it is it seems really speed runnable there's a lot of support for the amount of time it takes you to reduce your billion dollar debt or whatever um so and it doesn't look like it takes too long once you know what you're doing so yeah mm. big recommends that's cool so yeah, I had to mention Elite Dangerous, uh, and I'm just going to stay on the, the space kick. The other thing that that this conversation has made me think of is Avorian. Uh, mm -hmm. We talked about last spring, 
I uh, update on Avorian. Yeah. I got the Black Market DLC. Okay. And was really excited to jump back in and did not get anywhere. Had all of these grand plans of how I was going to beat the game this time. Yeah. Going to do it, going to build some cool ships, or maybe not. Maybe I'll just min-max them and make them ugly and don't care. Got, I think, to the first boss. Got wrecked. Got enough to beat him and then just didn't care about the game. Like, I didn't, I don't really, I think I got to use one of the new things that came out in the Black Market DLC. It added a lot. Yeah. Um, for like a $10 DLC, some of the campaign stuff, it's, it's like half free DLC and half paid for DLC. So they update okay. the base game for free, but then add some stuff if you purchase it. There's like some extra zones and mechanics and things that are in there. Um, all really friggin' cool, and I I just I wish I was like fourteen again or even twenty because I had so much more patience for that kind of game back then that I yeah. just don't have now. Yeah, I think it's a mood too. You know, yeah. like I can. I mean, I love Factorio as I have talked about it length on this show no. <laughs> and i can play factorio i mean i'll get in a session where i'm playing factorio 30 hours a week for two or three weeks until i beat it and then i can't look at factorio again for quite a while you know what i mean right. that's fair i mean i've gotten there with with minecraft and stuff as we have also talked about so yeah. i do feel that so if orion could be in that in that space because i still think it's an excellent game i think it's got a lot of really cool concepts um and honestly the thing that really that that would have enabled me to play it a lot would have been if if we could have gotten the multiplayer to work. Yes. Now I that haven't. Would have been fun. Yeah, I haven't looked at it since. Right. I, I haven't looked at multiplayer since the the black market DLC. I would say if you even are thinking about picking up a Borean, get the DLC the day that you get it, um, because it adds stuff throughout the whole game. It's mm. not just like late game stuff or whatever you want to start a new save with the DLC. So just get it right out the gate if you do decide right. to get it. But yeah, oh, another game, 100% worth it. Yeah, if I I just, I wish that like the Hard, the hard Space Shipbreaker, maybe if it tied to another game, like a Space Engineers, like if it tied to Space Engineers and other people built ships and you're taking them apart or something, I think right. that's where the real fun for me, that kind of feeling of seeing or your ship would be. If Dual Universe could just implement all the of gameplay it. of that mm -hmm. in the universe and that could right. be a role you could fulfill exactly that would be amazing <laughs> yeah oh my god <laughs> yep yeah i i'm i i i feel like the space itch is is growing constantly for me and maybe i can scratch it with elite dangerous there's another game called everspace 2 that just came out but it's an early access uh, um well and didn't we both play the first everspace no, I no, played... that was Evocron Mercenary. Never mind. Yeah, that that, that atrocity. <laughs> Let us not tarnish the unknown Everspace, which might be a lovely franchise. Right, it could be amazing. <laughs> uh, it gets really good reviews. It literally, the early access just came out on January eighteenth. Okay. Um, so it's real recent, and it's not there it's single player only which i actually kind of appreciate that it's right. not trying to be a multiplayer thing and have to bend itself to that um but i was like i think i'm gonna wait 
on it. Not because I don't even trust it or something, but just because they're just going to, I mean, they think they, they, their roadmap for early access is 12 to 18 months. And it's like, well, you're going to add a ton of stuff then. So yeah, you're going to top down refurb the store, whatever happens. Right. There's going to be stuff that I would, I mean, that happened to me with Subnautica. Right. Like where I got, I got it way early into early access and there are things that I got to play with that were removed from the final version of the game. So mm, right. Like Terraformer and the dive reel, like those are gone. Yeah. And so yeah, I having to restart that game. Now it still ended up being really cool and I was willing to restart that many times, but that's yeah. not every game. So no, and the experience we've talked about endlessly with Starbound, where we were really excited about it because we love Terraria and we thought mm -hmm. Space Terraria looked great. And then we jumped in way too early, which to their credit, they warned us about. Yeah, there's giant warnings all over the place, and we did not heed their I just didn't I just didn't actually understand how early early right right be. yes right because yeah. terraria was an early i mean it wasn't yeah. called early access then i don't but think it was right I, was you great. could argue it still is because they've had their final update like eight times now so and factorio is an example of a game that i picked up in early access and yeah. so glad i did because it was excellent that the whole time. Now. yeah right so um but yeah I, was there anything else that you wanted to cover this week i don't think so i mean i like I said, I don't, it's so weird because I, I, I hope I've done a good job portraying hard space. I really, really did enjoy it. It yeah. really was everything that I wanted from the game. When I saw the previews, I do wish there was more, but not just more of what was there, but I want that. I want that idea to survive and grow and become not necessarily a whole genre, but I would love a sequel that did go further or some other game in that vein, because there's just something about like, I don't know. I, I know that I'm not the only kid that's experienced this, but it was the take apart a broken VCR to try to understand how it works as a kid or hope that you could repair it and put it back together, knowing that you probably wouldn't but still getting down to the like having springs fire off when you peel things apart because you have no idea what you're doing like disassembling something without really knowing what's in there or what could happen and being surprised when plastic flies out or springs shoot out or blue smoke or sparks or whatever and then kind of just like taking the cool bits out and looking at them and then throwing the whole thing away at the end because you didn't fix it because you're a <laughs> repair tech at nine. Um, <laughs> that is like a court. Like I did that a lot in my childhood. There were a lot of like any time something broke that was technologically advanced, a remote control, a video game controller, you know, our Atari, a VCR, a print printers were like $5 at a garage sale. And oftentimes I would get them just to take them apart. Cause I had dreams of I'll take all the gears and make a robot that never <laughs> happened, but I, but that was the dream and it was more fun to disassemble it than it was to successfully put it back together, which I get. Some people also love the successfully putting it back together and it does work. And that's probably the more beneficial skill to have, but there's a primal love in me for disassembling something without really knowing how it's going to go and dealing with those consequences as they come up in a game like that. I don't think I want VCR disassembly simulator, but spaceship disassembly simulator, super good. 
Yeah, no, I think so. And, and yeah, I think that that's exactly, I mean, that's, that was my takeaway from your explanation of it. It wasn't like a, um, they missed the mark and I wish it was different. So it would be a better game, but more, this was, this was good enough that I want, I want more of it. And, yeah. and to your point, not just more of the same, but like, let's keep expand going. on the premise. Yeah. Right. I right. want some scope creep here. <laughs> I need feature right. creep. I need this to get a little bit more out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just a, a, an interesting um, personality trait, you know, like I had an uncle that took apart and he grew up to be a, a mechanic and, and, and not like, not just a car mechanic, but worked in industry, industrial stuff. But anyway, um, but he could fix anything and he could fix any car or anything like that. And yeah, I mean, he took apart his first car engine when he was like 10 years old, mm-hmm. right? Like I zero, zero <laughs> chance that I'm doing that. Turn key engine goes burr. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Right. And I, and I, and honestly, if someone else wants to drive, I'm good with that. You know what I mean? Right. Like I just need to get somewhere folks. I don't need to know how it does it. <laughs> um, but yeah, but obviously there are a lot of people that are 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 more curious in that way, and and yeah, that is, I can see where a game like this would be very satisfying for that. Honestly, though, I'm pretty tempted by it. Um, even not. I mean, it's also just fun because it's it's physics simulation, and it's fun right. to cut stuff up with a welding laser from twenty feet away, right? And cut a spaceship in half, right? Like, that's just fun. And the gravity kind of slowly pulls it apart and you can get yourself into some bad situations where you accidentally, cause if you fire something with the gravity gun, you're not standing on the ground. It's not fallout or not fallout uh, half life. Like if you fire the gravity gun against half of a ship, you go flying back and <laughs> you can go into the incinerator. <laughs> oh man. I can only imagine so you've got to kind of balance what you're shooting and what you have. And if you can brace yourself against stuff, like there's a lot of fun to be had in that game. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And I would say definitely, you know, like I said, regions of ruin um, was, was certainly worth a dollar 20 and it's probably a $12 is actually the full price I confirmed. Um, but yeah, I, I, an interesting mix of genres for a game that doesn't on the surface look like it should be as compelling as it is. Is is pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's all for our episode today. If you like this episode, consider buying us a cup of coffee over at ko-fi.com slash P-U-Y-S pod, or just tell a friend about us. It really does make a difference. All of our links and social accounts are available in the show notes. And if you'd like to hear from more from either of us outside of gaming, my podcast, The Walk Show, talks about the walk of life while interviewing various guests. And Brett's podcast, Dungeons and Dinners, is where the love of fantasy is food for thought. Oh.